Maurice and I would like to take a little time to thank Robert Rogers and all the folks at Parks Motor Sales for sponsoring the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast. When you need special treatment during your next new or pre-owned vehicle purchase, visit Parks Motor Sales at 919 Nashville Highway in Columbia or visit them online at parksmotorsales.com. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, Lawson Smith in studio with you here this morning in the Bermuda Triangle of Sports and Information in Murray County, the Dimple of the Universe, my friends. Glad to have you with us on 94.5 The Eagle down in Franklin County. Also, right here on WKOM 1017 FM in the Front Porch Sports Headquarters and the Lee Company Studio. Joining us on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline now is uh, George Plaster. And we told you there was a big announcement coming, but uh, the announcement is going to hold off for just a little bit. But it's coming soon, uh, and we are excited about the announcement, but hopefully we can get that information out to you uh, either later this week or early next week. George, welcome into the show. We appreciate you coming on. Do it. I'm sitting out on my patio, and if uh, if you guys tell me that the wind gets a little too much, just let me know. Uh, your patio is, is nice. As long as we don't hear four, we'll be all right. No, that's uh, that's going to happen on Friday. <laughs> gotcha. Joining a group of Braves fans, minus Lawson over here. Um, the Braves open a two-game series tonight against the visiting Boston Red Sox. Um, game starts at 6.20, as we mentioned in the last hour. It will be televised on Bally Sports South. Um, pre-game begins at 5.05 here on our sister station, 103.7 FM. It'll be Tucker Davidson still going for his first win of the season. Poor guy. Victimized by the bullpen. Um, no record with a 1.53 earned run average. Boston will start Eduardo Rodriguez, who is 5-4 with a 6.03. Braves ended their four-game losing streak Sunday by defeating Miami 6-4. Got them again to 30-33 and on the year. Boston comes in at 39-27. and uh, George, as Chris was mentioning to me um, before we came on the air this morning, there is an interesting article on The Athletic by Jeff Schultz. Um, he had a sit-down with Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos and kind of covering the the state of the program and of course he's a little bit more optimistic about things than than we are i'm not sure if you've had an opportunity to see that article or not i haven't seen it uh but now that you've uh, sort of alerted me to it i'm going to um 
I, I'm I'm like you guys. I'm worried about where this team is headed because they've got a bunch of holes. Everywhere you turn, there seem to be problems. You know, if you knew going into the season that Soroka would not have pitched by now, if you had known that Waskari Noah would do what he did and he's out for who knows how long, Travis Darno's out for a good while, and then you've got all the Marcel Ozuna on and off the field stuff. If you knew all of that, you'd be worried to begin with. But then you throw in a pitching staff that, in my mind, has really underachieved. They just got a lot of holes. And and unless there's a dramatic turnaround, I, I don't see it changing. And that's the thing, George. You know, you, you say there's a lot of holes, but one, at the beginning, we didn't know Enoa was going to pitch the way he did to be as missed as he is. But the holes are created more by folks underachieving than anything else. I mean, I don't know, you know, if the Braves were to go out and get something, I would assume it would be a left fielder. But it's how much of this is addressable through the trade market? I know it's uh, first of all, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I thought it at the time, Adam Duvall lives here and I've gotten to know Adam a little bit. And I thought it was a huge mistake when, when they got rid of him. Uh, I really did. Um, you were right. And, and I, I'm sorry, say that again. I said, you were right. Yeah, um, I mean, right now, he would be a godsend to that team because they're using a bunch of what I'd call 4A outfielders right now. Uh, guys that, you know, Almonte has had kind of a um, hit or miss thing, Heredia, same kind of deal. And so, you know, and Ender Enciarte hasn't been anywhere near the player in the last three years that he was before that. And so they got one outfield position that they're really not getting a whole lot out of. And um, I don't know. I I, I don't know where all this is headed. I'm not overly optimistic. I'll also say this. I think that uh, Anthopolis deals with way more issues with Liberty Media than he ever lets on. To his credit, he never complains about it. But the decision not to re-sign Mark Melanson look stupid right now, especially, you know, when he got a $3 million contract with the Padres, and oh, by the way, he's got 19 saves. You know, I don't know what Alex is dealing with, but I have a suspicion that that's a big factor in why they make some of the decisions they make. Yeah, I think think a lot of Melanson's was he just wanted to go home and finish his career in Southern California. That was I, I I don't know that that was all Atlanta. Now that being said, in this story on theathletic.com by Jeff Schultz, he does say that Liberty has basically given him the go ahead to make some moves at the trade deadline, and the the money isn't really a factor in that. We have the resources to add payroll to the club. The outlook is much different than it was in the off season when there was a lot of uncertainty. Blah blah blah. So I assume I assume that means that because they were able to allow fans in mm-hmm. and they were able to get some more money involved, that they, they weren't they were 
scared in the off season to make some moves because they didn't know about how they were going to recoup that money. We started the year, I think, at 25% capacity, and we moved up incrementally, and we're up to 100%. So we're absolutely in a position, and I've been told that as well, that we can add payroll at the trade deadline. Good. I mean, I hope I hope that's true. Uh, I wonder I wonder with where they're headed right now if it's going to matter. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Is I mean, July that, 15th going to matter by then? Yeah. I mean, it's an ugly thought. Uh, but, you know, they're not getting good enough pitching on any given night to feel very comfortable. Drew Smiley has been kind of a bust. Um, you know, that's one of the – I mean, that's kind of Cole Hamels Jr. Mm. Uh, at, at <laughs> for least, the second well, year I'll in say a row. For, Yeah, I'll say this for Smiley. At least he takes the ball and goes out there. Uh, but he hadn't been very good. Charlie Morton has not been as good as I thought he would be. Um, and that's putting a lot of pressure on Max Freed. Uh, Ian Anderson's been brilliant. And this kid, Tucker Davidson, you know, even though he doesn't have any wins, I mean, he's pitched really good. And what's, but when they get to that, what's crazy they get to that about bullpen, the, Oh, yeah. And what's, yeah, crazy, ahead, Mo, what's, sorry. what's crazy about that whole thing is, you know, like you said, you've got Anderson, you've got Freed, Tucker Davidson's pitching his tail off and has nothing to show for it. You brought in the two veterans to eat innings and, and kind of be mentors for these guys, and it's the young guys propping them up. I know. It's a strange uh, equation. Morton, I don't know what's going on there because I've always liked him. Well, he's 37 and, and years I, old for one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and that that's part of it. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I believe 100% what Anthopolis is putting out there. I think Liberty Media has been a problem all along. The day that that they sell will be a great day for a Braves fan. And here's where I'm going with that. I mean, they were one little bitty piece away from being a World Series team a year ago. And frankly, if Kyle Wright had given them any kind of a performance – I don't remember whether it was game four or game five, but his inability, you know, to get them past the second inning taxed their bullpen, and the Dodgers took advantage of it. But, I mean, this is a team a year ago that could tell the Dodgers, you know, screw you. We can go toe-to-toe with you. We don't have to bat an eye to you. And now, all of a sudden, you look around, and, boy, it doesn't feel that way. And you say that as they just took two of three from the Dodgers a week ago. I know. So I, mean, uh, I guess, and and I think that's the thing about it: the inconsistency has, which is exactly what uh, Anthopolis said. Saying, yeah, and yeah. How, how many times have they been five hundred? And then how many times have they gotten over it? Zero. So that's I think that's the maddening thing about this team is again, you can go toe to toe with the defending World Series champion just like you did a year ago in the NLCS and. And then you drop two of three to the Marlins. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess we're learning a little bit when you don't get decent pitching that this is the way it's going to be. It just seems like every time they get close to something, they spring a leak somewhere. In Philly, they blew two games in a row that to me were killers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bullpen doesn't get the job done in either case. Will Smith, 
has not been the kind of lights-out closer that everybody hoped he would be. And that that's just the beginning of it. A.J. Minter, who I've been a big fan of, really has been a bust this year. Um, and Luke Jackson is what he is. He's a guy that pours gasoline on fires. Uh, well, let's just say Luke has been the luckiest he's ever been in his career this year. Because... I mean, He's number not... numbers wise, Luke Jackson has been fantastic. I mean, yeah. let's let's be honest. He's it's, it's you know, just looked. He, he's got a one eleven ERA, and but the problem is he has at least one base runner almost every time he goes out, and typically ends up with two at some point in the inning, and it's a little scary. Thus, the Luke Jackson experience. The Luke Jackson experience. Now, you know, I like it. His his war is 1.3, so clearly that's a positive. But you're right. Despite the fact that Will Smith has closed 10 of his 11 opportunities, it never feels like when you go into that ninth inning that you're going to get a win, whereas when Melanson came in, you felt pretty confident. Yeah, the Melanson move right now really looks bad. It hurts. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Look. I don't pretend to know exactly what Liberty Media's role is, but I don't think it's anything positive. Uh, the fact that people in Atlanta keep asking the question tells me that nobody's quite sure. All I know is they were a step away from a World Series a year ago, and that was the time to drop the hammer and say, you know what, we're going all in. And instead, Adam Duvall's in Florida, Melanson's in San Diego, and you know, half the rest of the teams on the d- disabled list. Yeah. It's it, it's an unfortunate situation that the Braves have found themselves in, and yet still just five games out, five and a half games out of first place uh, against with the Mets and under five hundred, three games under five hundred, and it's just it's wild. Thank goodness for a bad NL East. Oh gosh, no kidding, Mo. You may have the schedule in front of you. I know they go to New York for a four-game series soon that includes a, a doubleheader, a makeup of a rainout. At some point, they're going to have to start making up some ground. And I realize, you know, a week of great baseball could change all of this. And that's the, I guess that's the good news. The bad news is when you watch them, you just don't feel like it's going to happen. You don't feel like there's a week of great baseball out there. Yeah, they've got Boston for two today and tomorrow. They've got St. Louis coming in for four starting on Thursday. Then they go to, um, I almost said Shea Stadium. I was about to say City Field. uh, Yeah, they go to, they face the Mets on the road. That's a doubleheader on Monday, followed by single games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Hey, doubleheaders, that's good. Then four in Cincinnati that week. That means we only get one or two innings of bullpen. That's right, because they're, they're now <laughs> seven, seven inning games. Yeah. So I'll take a doubleheader all day. Yeah, I mean, maybe you see a Max Free go one of those and just go complete the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just take the here, here, take the pen out of the equation. That would be nice. Here's the part that's kind of troubling, because the Mets have sort of, you know, that finally lived up to some of the potential. But when you've got Jacob DeGrom, you're not going to have many losing streaks because what this guy is doing for He's the Mets is that. just ridiculous. I mean, 
when, when's the last time anybody really hit him hard? Yeah. Never. Never. Um, the good thing is he's Never hurt. may well be the answer. Uh, he, he is currently, uh, I don't know that he's on the IL or anything, but he, he did come out of his last game um, with a, with an injury. So perhaps we don't have to see him in a week and a half. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But if we don't have to, I won't be upset about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, it hurt your, doesn't hurt your feelings if you don't have to face Jacob Degrom. Is he two time? Yeah, no kidding. Is he a two time reigning Cy Young winner? Let's see. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously look. I'm, I don't know why I'm even asking. Uh, Eighteen and nineteen. Last year he was third in Cy Young voting. Eighteen and nineteen, he won back to back Cy Youngs. You know what? What he really has done is put Clayton Kershaw on the back page a little yep. bit. He's put Noah Syndergaard on the back page a little bit. Which is? On his own team. Yeah. 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 Which Syndergaard's right. been hurt, too, I think. I don't think Syndergaard's pitched much yeah. this year at all. So, yeah. it, the Mets, despite, this is kind of a brave situation where, despite some of their, their better players being out, mm-hmm. they've been able to, kind of like the Braves were able the last couple of years, to overcome. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's been weird, man. It's been a weird year, absolutely. So, uh, Mo, we're going to take a quick break. And, George, we'd like to keep you for one more segment if that's possible. But Mo's going to give sure. you this day in Braves history first. That's right. Oh, almost, let's hear it. I almost forgot. On June fifteenth, 1963, Tony Cloninger became the 14th major league pitcher to throw an immaculate inning. George knows what an immaculate inning is. Um, striking out Tony Gonzalez, Clay Dalrymple, and Ruben Amaro Sr. in order on nine total pitches in the eighth inning of Milwaukee's 5-3 win over visiting Philadelphia. Cloninger became the second pitcher in franchise history to accomplish defeat, joining Joe Oster, I guess, in 1921, with Joey McLaughlin doing so in 79, Buddy Carlisle in 07, and Chris Martin two years ago. The Braves, meanwhile, have been immaculate victims on six occasions. So, hey, Mo. Hey. Hello? Do you remember Joey McLaughlin? I vaguely remember the name. Um, well, you you know why you remember him? He wasn't Channel 17, was he? No. no mm-hmm. t- he me. went to Lipscomb. That's, oh, that's okay. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I knew that I thought that that was the case, but I wasn't positive enough to, to say it. So thank you for... <laughs> bailing me out there george as always you're welcome all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we'll talk about vandy we'll talk about uh, the sounds we'll talk about uh nba playoffs all uh, in the next segment coming up with george plaster on southern middle tennessee sports today so stick around we will be right back to the lee company studio right after this It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. 
Welcome back into the show. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, Lawson Smith, and on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with George Plaster. Happy to have you guys with us on 94.5 The Eagle down in Franklin County and right here on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia. The Front Porch Sports Headquarters and the Lee Company Studio. We are remaining on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, like I said, with George Blaster, and we have some Vandy to talk about because George went to both games over the weekend and got to see uh, Rocker and Lighter up close and personal. And uh, George, what what did you think about that? Oh, first of all, I roasted. Holy cow! <laughs> it, it was hot, hot. wasn't it? Ninety one <laughs> on Saturday. Really hot. Uh, but it was not as hot as either. Uh, Tomorrow Rocker or uh, Jack Leiter were. I got the chance to meet Al Leiter uh, Saturday, which uh, was really cool. I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think he has great insights on MLB Network. But anyway, you know, those two are, are pretty darn good. Um, I guess my big question is, I think in the past, Vandy has really benefited from having more pitching depth than a lot of the teams, and I think that's why they've won a couple of national titles. I'm not sure they've got that this time. I'm not sure that the third and fourth starter, which they will have to use next week against somebody, that's the part you worry about. Um, you know, Rocker and, and Lighter are probably going to get get the job done based on uh, past history, but I worry about the third and the fourth guys. And and those third and fourth guys, you know, Patrick Riley, Christian Little, those guys, you know, they, they don't seem to necessarily have the upside of a rocker or a lighter. I think they are pretty darn good college baseball pitchers. I just think that maybe for one, you get a little, get a little spoiled when you see rocker and lighter go out once a week, but, um, I think those guys are both young guys, and they've just got, kind of got to come, and they're going to have to grow up quick because, like you said, they're going to have to get innings out of both those guys um, in Omaha. You know, Mo, I guess there's a chance here that Tennessee and Vanderbilt could play in the finals in a two out of three, and that's kind of gotten me to thinking. In my lifetime, I can't think of an athletic competition that Tennessee and Vanderbilt have played against each other that had anywhere near this kind of stakes. Um, you know, football normally has been pretty non-competitive. Basketball has been pretty competitive, but I can't think of anything that comes close to this. Well, I mean, I don't know that they've ever met in the postseason. The only thing I can think of that comes close, George, is um, – that Vanderbilt Tennessee basketball game, I think back in '08, maybe when Tennessee had just gone to uh, to Memphis, defeated yeah. the Tigers down Good there, point. moved to number yeah. one in the country, and then came to Vandy on a Tuesday night and and got beat mm-hmm. at Memorial. That's that's probably the biggest stage that those two programs have met on prior to this. And I, you know, just to think. Uh, you've seen Vandy obviously win two national championships in the last seven years. You've seen UT go to the College World Series. This will be their fourth, uh, fifth trip, um, first since 05. 
But you've never really seen both these programs be good at the same time necessarily. And I think that's, it's, it's kind of mind boggling to me as you sit here in the middle of it. It's very cool. Uh, I wonder what this does as far as the interest level and maybe the quality of baseball, you know, in the, in the, let's say the 14 to 17 year old range, as you see these two programs, you know, become Goliath, you know, what might that be doing uh, in and around the state of Tennessee? It it really could be something. And um, I kind of hope it happens. I think it would be so good for our area. Tennessee and Vanderbilt both made it to the final. And you know what? I wouldn't rule out that they do. You know, one, to your point, George, I think it's almost in reverse. I think high school baseball in this state has kind of elevated its, itself to the point. I mean, when you look at both these rosters and you look at the number of local kids that are on both these teams, I, I think maybe the high school game has fed into the success that both Vanderbilt and Tennessee have had. But, again, I think you're right. You're talking about Tennessee being the number three seed going into this thing, and Vanderbilt is the number four, and they are the best-seeded team in their half of the bracket. Arizona is the five, and both Stanford and, and North Carolina State had to win Super Regionals on the road, so they're unseeded coming in. Well, Stanford's the nine seed, but yeah. Of the 16. They they hosted a regional, but still. That's insane. Meanwhile, they're on DEFCON 5 in Arkansas. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you, that it's it's tragic. I mean, that, that program was a foul pop away from a national championship, what, three years ago? Yeah. And, again, I've said it on this show, you don't want to be the number one national seed. Not good. Um, Miami, and, Miami and 99 is the only number one to win the whole thing since they began this format. So that's really, yeah. yeah. 20 you know pl- what? That might be, that might be stat of the, stat day, of the day on another show somewhere. <laughs> I was just about to say that sounds like a stat of the day uh, yeah. candidate there. So, um, Hey, Mo, First of all, I'm probably going to use it, but secondly, I'm going to give you credit for it. Well, okay. We'll all take right. That. That's, that's fair. We'll take that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, t- uh, Texas is the number two seed. Um, they face seventh seed at Mississippi State, um, who won a slugfest last night down in Starkville. George, have you ever been to a game down there? You know, I've actually um, I've done a doubleheader there. Th- th- this would have been in the – I want to say like around 1994, I got a call about two days before um, somebody bailed on on the old Sports South, and I did a doubleheader. I did a Mississippi State LSU doubleheader, and I made a point to go out to left field. It was about two hours before the game. My God, what they do out there, the, the tailgating is is something to behold. They consume a lot of beverages out there. <laughs> they, they they take their baseball tailgating uh, a page out of the Ole Miss football tailgating book, huh? Yeah, and, you know, not that I'm some expert and have been to a bunch of uh, college baseball venues, 
But I've got to think that deal in Starkville is right near the top. I can't, yeah, I couldn't imagine anything much, much better than that. It's uh, th- This College World Series is going to be exciting, as you said, Texas and Mississippi State. They play the, the final game of the first round right. uh, in, at 7 o'clock on Sunday on ESPN2. Virginia and Tennessee at 2 o'clock earlier that day on Sunday. Also, Those are Eastern times. Oh, are they? <laughs> so they are. So uh, is, is Vandy, Arizona, Saturday at 1? No, they're at 6. NC State, really? Stan- okay. NC State Stanford is at 1. Arizona Vandy is at 6. Virginia, Tennessee is at 1 on Sunday. Sunday. And um, Mississippi State, Texas is at 6. So Okay. George, gotcha. we are we are still on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with George Plaster. Want to mention that the Sounds open a six-game series on the road tonight at Gwinnett. Starts at 6.05 down in Lawrenceville. But, um... Want to get your insight into the um, NBA playoffs before we let you go? Well, I loved what I saw last night. The Hawks. Uh, I, I've kind of I've been keeping up with the Hawks pretty good. I've got a buddy that works for them, and you know, three four years ago, you could make the argument that that was the worst atmosphere in the NBA. You'd you'd go to a Hawks game and it just was awful. And I watched this guy, Trey Young, and not only is he a great player, but the, he has energized that franchise. I've noticed in the two playoff series that their home crowds have been a huge advantage. I'm not saying they're going to win the Philadelphia series, but I've thought all along that this had a chance to go seven. They almost got buried last night. Mm-hmm. They were down 15 you know, midway through the third quarter and somehow rallied back and won the game. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past the Hawks um, to, to win this series. And then you look at what's going on with, uh, with Brooklyn and, you know, two of their three best players are, are out for right now are not going to play tonight. So Milwaukee is like a four and a half point favorite at Brooklyn. And, um, you know, this is going to be this is going to be a real test of can Kevin Durant carry a team almost by himself. We're going to find that out tonight. Unless PJ Tucker picks a fight with him and gets him thrown out, <laughs> or his or his, bodyguard. Too, huh? or his bodyguard, or his bodyguard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. George, you know, you mentioned Trey Young in that atmosphere. It reminds me a lot of the Michael Vick experience in Atlanta, how the the Falcons went from a blah team to one of the most exciting atmospheres in the Georgia Dome when Michael Vick was there. And now Trey Young has kind of done the same thing. Yeah, I think he has he's sort of made them the darling uh, of Atlanta sports right now. Um <laughs> you know, which may not that may not be saying a whole lot, but uh you know, I, I just noticed in the Knicks series, I was like, wow, listen to that crowd. And, you know, that hadn't always been the case with the Hawks. I can remember a time where I thought the Hawks ought to move to Nashville and just get out of Atlanta. I, I thought that the apathy and the the non-belief in that franchise down there was so bad. But this young guy has come in. He's fun to watch. 
he's got he's got this shot, this floater that he does, and he is just deadly with it. And um, he's fearless. I, I really enjoy watching the Hawks. They, they're fun. And that's not been said in a long time. We are on the Parks Boy, Motor Sales right. Hot. We're on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with George Plaster. Um, George, appreciate you being with us for two segments this morning, and um, we're we're glad we could help you get ready for your show this afternoon. <laughs> you know, Mo, let me make sure I got this right. So the number one seed in the NCAA baseball tournament has only won the the, the, the title one time since 99. No, no ever. Only one time under this current format where they've played the regionals, the super regionals, and, and eight teams to the World Series, and that was in 99. I don't know how old and it this was, format is, but yeah. Yeah, was it, was it Miami? It was Miami in 99. Okay. So those of you who don't want to hear my show this afternoon, you now know what the stat of the day is. <laughs> but if you do want to hear it, that's okay. Oh, absolutely. You, you, you yeah, can, you can absolutely. do that on WNSR. Uh, man, we we always appreciate your time and uh, your insight into things that we know nothing about, a la the NBA, NBA. playoffs. <laughs> oh, listen, I get into the – look, I could care less what's going on in the NBA and, and you know, around Christmas. But when you get to the playoffs, it's pretty good stuff, and uh, I, I do get into it. I really do. Uh, we we have our top five coming up in the next segment, George, and uh, our top five today is our top five ma- minor league sports nicknames. Do you have a, a a a minor league sports nickname that just sticks out in your head as the the best minor league sports nickname you've ever heard? Are, are you talking about like, like a like team a nickname or like yeah. Nucle, Nucle No. <laughs> We're talking about team nicknames. Team nicknames. Oh, gosh. Um, okay, y'all y'all have done a little research on this. We have. This um, will be off the top of your head, but it's okay. What was what was the one in New Orleans? It was like the, the baby cakes or the, something? The baby, <laughs> baby cakes. The baby cakes. As opposed to king cakes. Yep. Yeah. Okay, That that's, that's mine. The baby cakes. That's a good one. I get a feeling that's going to show up in the next segment. (laughs) I like it. Uh, George Plaster on the Parks Mercilus Hotline. Thanks so much for joining, man. We we really appreciate it. Hey, y'all take care. Mo, thanks for the uh, show prep. Hey, glad to help. Glad to help. (laughs) Appreciate it. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, it is Top 5 Tuesday. We're going to talk about minor league sports nicknames, and those are going to be a lot of fun. I got a feeling, so stick around right after this on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Thank you for listening to the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast brought to you by Parks Motor Sales. Don't forget to listen each day live 9 to 11 a.m. on WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia. Also visit our website sm-tnsports.com for more local sports coverage in Southern Middle Tennessee. 